I wanted to talk to you about uh, my thesis on what I call the doomsday bubble. Um, and I call it doomsday because I think we've reached a situation with the West's economic dynamics that is incredibly precarious. And to understand that history, we need to go back to essentially 9-11. And 9-11, under my construct of the five stages of empire as applied to America, is essentially the moment when America moved from overextension into decline. And I have, um, for 20 years or so since then, described what that really represented in terms of political leadership, military adventurism that fails, as it did do in Iraq, Afghanistan, um, and essentially a created vacuum by contraction, which then the next hegemonic system moves into, which is China. But I also mentioned very specifically the debt dynamics of a nation in overextension and predicted that America's debt would quite simply go through the roof um, as it went through its final fifth stage of decline. And the reason that takes place is essentially the underlying economy and the underlying competitive economy completely stalls. And it's compensated for by financial leverage. In effect, this concept that if you have 1% and you leverage twice, you get 2% growth. If you leverage it four times, you get 4% growth. And the first really event of leveraging took place as we went through the dot-com bubble um, in a minor form. But it really took off in the 2007-2008 financial crisis, which was really the first of the big earthquakes um, that we we were going to see in the decline. And at the time I was managing a macro hedge fund, we understood what it was. We traded it very well and we made 84% in that decline. So I'm used to seeing these things and translating them into financial impacts. That recovery really came about because financial intervention on behalf of America and Western allies, but especially America, was huge. And it led to a period of probably the biggest beta trend we've seen for a long time, for 10 years, essentially this idea that there's a debt build bit by bit, essentially you super leverage and inflated asset prices, creating this super bubble. And by the time we reached February 2020, I would say that bubble was pretty huge. Um, and the American system more over-leveraged than it's really ever been, more over-leveraged than is really safe for it. And now it had a competitor on the rise in the form of China that was really relatively close and clawing its back. And that process essentially came about um, when the virus hit, it came at a time of fragility. And that fragility produces the first downwash. And it was pretty big, pretty sharp. And then along came the U.S. government and they did what they've always done. And the phrase is you can never fight the Fed. They started printing money on a scale which I never would have anticipated. Truly, it created in the U.S. the next inflationary cycle of the bubble to the point where I don't believe you could print any more money and create any more advance in the American economy because of the inefficiencies of failing to remove companies that basically have got government loan funding or of some type of leverage and they are just not functional. But more importantly, and what is critical, is that it's probably 30 times leveraged in the US, 40, which means 0.1 of growth translates to 4% of an apparent healthy economy. It is not apparently healthy. It is not healthy at all. Because you take away the 0.1% growth and you go from literally 4 or 40 times leverage to zero, just like that. Super sensitive, as anyone who's managed a leveraged portfolio can find out. 
And we are now at that stage. We're at the stage where the whole system has super hyperinflated. And I first of all call it the bubble of all bubbles. And um, But then it dawned on me, how do you recover from a bubble of this magnitude when it collapses? It was so big, it created a sequence of sub-bubbles as the money just spilled over into, from equities to other areas. And the thesis that I came up with was that essentially, yes, it was bigger than I imagined in the States. Funny enough, in Europe, it only reached the highs, which was when the parameters of a correction, partly because financial intervention was being less in Europe. But essentially, the bubble would have the riders of the apocalypse. And those riders were bubbles bursting along the way. So the first bubble was essentially the Tesla bubble. Uh, and that was the you know the doyon of stocks, and that's well and truly peaked and on the way down that burst. And our work allowed us to predict that very precisely. The next was the bubble with cryptocurrencies, and again, having run it on the way up, we located the high within roughly two percent and have been short ever since. Um, so this is not just talking; this is real time prediction in action, and it gives me a great deal of confidence about what comes next. And the same thing also with the lumber market. The lumber market in the States really supports the U.S. housing market, which has had another bubble, super bubble in that area. It burst. Again, we located the high within about 5%, and it's literally collapsed ever since. Similarly, the commodity bubbles in soya and corn, which are all about exporting to China, we located those, and they've been on the collapse. So we picked this sequence of bubbles, and there is only one bubble left, and that's the U.S. equity market. And the equity constructs and markets have actually been more complex than people realize, because really the Asian markets peaked in February. That's Hong Kong and China. And you know the, the Chinese are very specifically not leveraging their economy. They're deleveraging because they want to have as little leverage compared to the highly leveraged West for strategic differentiation. And I honestly believe they understand the concept of weaponizing relative debt, and they are on the case for that, which will cause America greater problems as this crisis unfolds. Um, essentially, then you look at Europe, and Europe's been rolling over for at least a month to two months. And some of the weaker markets like Spain are just charging lower. Uh, they couldn't even wait for America to turn. And in America, too, you've seen this process whereby um, the, the Dow Jones stalled, the Russell stalled, which is an index of 2,000 smaller companies. And the only two indices which have been going up have been the S&P, the NASDAQ, and related FANG. And those two this week, I believe, reversed. And so much so that I issued a, a, a double-shotted warning, which I rarely ever do, which is double, even a double-sized position. I've never done it before in my recommendations. I put them on because it's really a signal that the last, the strongest of the equity markets has now reversed. And what we've been seeing is a narrowing of stock participation, which is typical of a bubble bursting. So only a few stocks have really held it up on a few indices. And other stocks have been really going down. So if you run a long-short portfolio, there's been plenty of fantastic shorting opportunities. But I think most of all, we've entered into the biggest asset collapse in 100 years. It will be bigger than 1929, and it's going to be, I'm afraid, pretty horrendous. I like to enter my trades at the highs, not when it's going low or accelerating. Most people listening to this will go, what is he on? Don't believe him. But remember, this is the warning that the doomsday bubble has burst. The asset price depreciation is on the way down. And just remember, the Chinese, through the spread of the virus, precipitated a super extreme debt creation program in, in, in the West, which has made this crisis ever more certain. So there's a strategic element of the Chinese pandemic, which I've talked about in a lot of my work and the evidence that it was from a laboratory. It was a weapon. They weaponized it. And the only issue is accidental or intentional release.
um, and the probabilities around that I've discussed. So I think we're in for a very, very tricky time. And at the same time, in a real shock, underlying inflation, although prices, commodities will drop up to 60% of the rally, shares are going to go well below the March lows within 12 months that we saw in 2020. Really some very nasty stuff. Um, but And we've got some ideas of strategy and how you can cope with it, which is what Global Forecast is really all about. So I've really, in this, in this um, little brief, um, interview talked about the idea that the doomsday bubble is now bursting the riders of the apocalypse the smaller bubbles have all burst already leaving only the big one and when it drops everyone is one way some of the smart institutions have been finding it in positions near the highs and yes retail sit there owning the parcel as the music stops so this summer as you know everyone thinks it's about narrow participation lack of interest i think we're seeing the reversal right in front of our eyes that final turn so heads up, stay frosty. And if you want to learn more about my work, it's all available under the Global Forecaster site.